The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with The Plant Profits, powered by Protus Global. Thank you for joining us here on Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. Plant Profits is fueled by Protus Global People Solutions. And at Protus Global, I'm really focused as a partner in adult consumables and loving every minute of that. And today, um, I'm so happy you guys are joining us. We're going to really dig into some really important things that's happening in the cannabis community. And we have an expert on hand. My next guest is an attorney with more than a decade of experience in herbal product compliance regulation. She is an experienced nonpartisan lobbyist with expertise in wearable tech, data privacy, cannabis, and hemp legislation. My wonderful guest today is Tammy Wall, who's based in Washington, D.C. And if you're doing what you're doing, Tammy, Washington, D.C. is where you need to be, right? I hope so. And this, and this is where I am. And uh, yeah, all hands on deck. Very exciting times, Vern. It, no, it, it is very exciting times. But let's talk about this pandemic a little bit. How are you doing? How are your loved ones doing? And uh, how's that been for you? Fortunately, everyone in my immediate world, we're, mm-hmm. we are safe and well and healthy. Um, and in my immediate community, that's the same. The Yes. So, so that is obviously the, the biggest priority, you know, personally, of course, yeah. I'm sure as many people drinking significant amounts of coffee and, <laughs> you know, but to be quite honest in there, Vern, there, there have been days where, you know, the anxiety is up a bit is, um, the, and so reconnecting with you and mm-hmm. even listening to your other guests and your other interviews, sure. it, it's quite calming. Oh, well that, thank you. Well, that's great, and I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into the Washington D.C. thing, but we're gonna go back to Texas first, okay? Can oh, we do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do this. That, that's see now. Texas is my home state. Uh oh. Yeah, yeah. Now tell me. I, I know you did some time in Texas, but did you start out there? I mean, did you grow up in Texas, or where are you from? I did not. I hail from Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and every now and then with my O's and my A's, you're going to be like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I have spent several years down in Austin and I, right out of law school, yeah. I, I went down there, you know, Austin, and this would have been, and this will age me and I'm totally fine with that. But this was back in the, in the early nineties yeah. when Austin was really just coming into being a place on the map. As sort oh, of, I, I, yeah, that was an interesting time. You know, I grew up about 40 minutes from Austin. And, uh-huh. uh, and so Austin, you know, when I was growing up, Austin was the city that you always went to. And, um, and that was the closest thing to a city, you know, you had the university of Texas there. And, and, uh, so that was, that was a, a real big deal. Now you grew up in Minnesota. Where did you go to law school? Well, just a small school in, uh, Widener actually in Pennsylvania. So you went to Pennsylvania, went to law school. How in the hell did you get down to Texas? So, um, 
but and I come from a, a rural community in northern Minnesota. So, okay. so yeah, I but I've I've always enjoyed checking out different pockets of our country. And when I was finishing law school, I I knew that I wanted to have my own shop. I wasn't. Um, and I, you know, without disparaging my colleagues that are in firms, the law firm setting has never been a fit for me. And so I knew I wanted my own shop. So I looked at three or four cities with really strong economies, the opportunity for growth, and where I thought the market could hold um, a small, a small law practice. And so Austin, Denver, Seattle were were the runners, and Austin came out on top. So I just I went down there. I didn't know anyone. And as you know, being from Texas, yes. it was a very welcoming city. Yeah. They open arms, a lot of music, a lot of social activity. So coming out of law school, you probably felt at home, didn't you? But I did. There, There is something about in the South where it is very welcoming. And I played soccer then, so I found a team, and that was my immediate family. And and things just clicked. It was it was very good. That's great. Now, what kind of, let's tell everybody what kind of law you practice down in Austin, Texas. Well, primarily criminal defense work. I, okay. I worked a lot with juveniles and um clients that had mental health issues as well. And, okay. uh, but in that criminal defense space, which there now it's connected to the cannabis industry, but it, it's, it was um, a remarkable front row seat to see uh, how things start and how one, one particular incident in someone's life can either set the trajectory for, for challenges or for success, or if you can overcome something to correct course, but that, and so that was in the very early stages of these young people. So working in criminal defense, it was, it was an eye opener mm-hmm. and the, the incredible challenges within the construct of a criminal justice system. And, yeah. you know, Texas in part being a woman and then looking at my clients and what they had to overcome in the criminal justice system. It was, it was an eye opener. How did you choose that niche? You know, when you moved in the day, I mean, you could have went, you could have went, you know, murder, but you, you, you decided to get inside the community with your practice. And then wh- why did you do that? What about you made you do that? Yes. And you know, interesting, Vern, at this point in my career, a couple decades past that now, and looking yeah. back, you yeah. can really see the threads of your individual personality and DNA coming out in, in your different career choices. And That's so- right. But, you know, for me, it was um, it was a, a means of having more of a hands-on opportunity to help someone. And there was, um, you know, the extreme cases can take years going all the way through the appeal process. But okay. sometimes you have a window of time in someone's life where, where you can try to play a role or to make it better. And it's, you know, it's a shorter term um window of time. And so you can reach more in theory anyway. So, so there was that. And I just felt that there was more of a, um, an impact and I could engage with more people, more, more clients on the, uh, with certain types of offenses, if you will. Okay. That, that makes sense. Now you did that for 10 years. You were in Austin, you practiced that, that, that was your practice for 10 years. Uh, and then, then I, I saw you, you evolved and you, you, you moved out into 
more regulatory type uh, involvement and engagement. Tell me about that step you made. That's exactly right. And mm-hmm. I suppose um, when I when I decided to leave private practice, I had reached a point where I felt I I, w- I did what I could do, and okay. um, I just I did what I could do within that system within. Sure within Texas, within Travis County, within Williamson, within my counties where I used to work. And so I pretty much did a 180 and I did the, <laughs> this, I did an organic loungewear line and I started working with nonprofits sure. to, uh, and of course in hindsight, it is very clear what happened just to really flip that page. And then through that, I, that was my entree into working with natural products and botanical based um, well, well let, let's stop right there because I, you said you you that was your base to get into natural products and botanical. Okay, how did that come into being though? How, how, were you reaching out for that, or did that just come to you? How did what happened? Well, I tell you, Vern, I hear yeah. these when people share stories. Oh, it just fell into my lap, or yeah. <laughs> oh, it just came from left field. Yeah. I I have waited for something just to kind of fall into my lap. At this yeah. point in the game, I've accepted that that might just not happen for me, which uh-huh. is okay. And so, um, so I, so I, I flipped that page, and I was in that natural products, really understanding the yeah. benefits from it. And then my legal training came back to me, and I wanted to kind of hunker down and get in the nooks and crannies of things again. And that's when I went back into regulatory and government affairs. Got it. Got it. Well, I think that's cool. You, that's quite a journey. That's a quite, that's quite a, you said flip the page. I mean, you turned the book over, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you really did. I mean, you, you, uh, in a, in that period of time when you decided that you did all you could do in Texas into that legal system, and then you decided to get into something, uh, uh, that's very, very, very different but now you brought your legal practice back into it. And I tell you what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Okay. And we're going to come back and we're going to dig into something that is uh, very important that's going on that you're involved in. And I'm, I very much want to hear more about on the legal uh, involvement into natural products. So let's do that. Uh, we'll continue our discussion with Tammy Wall from Market Access today. She is um, uh, bringing us a really cool story and and join us on the way back because we're going to dig into some things that we're all waiting to hear more about. And 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 Tammy is on the forefront of this, uh, this legal legislative uh, journey that we're going through in the cannabis industry. So here we go. We'll be back. Plant profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Plant Plant Profits. 
I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The Plant Profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Vern Davis. I'm Plant Profits host, and today I'm uh, having a great conversation with Tammy Wall, a Washington, D.C.-based attorney and strategic policy advisor. And she's doing her job, and we want to talk about some of that stuff she's doing, some of that work that you're doing, Tammy. Um, and we left off with you getting back into your legal roots, and, and you're putting it all together. You were in natural products, and now you got your legal roots going, and and um, somehow it led you back to involvement uh, with a congressman, uh, Congressman Colin Peterson, out of your home state of Minnesota, right? So tell us how that and what's going on there. This is a big deal. Well, yes, yes. And it, because of the global pandemic, yeah. uh, this type of uh, legislation or resolving these regulatory issues are even more so important. So, but yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure. Um, well, you know, I have to say chair Peterson and his crew really took the lead on this, but, okay. but working with his office and, and again, having that flavor of Minnesota, it's probably the same when you connect yeah. with people down in Texas, there's just something about it. They're yeah. very pragmatic kind of no uh, nonsense and uh, understood the core issue when it comes to hemp and around the hemp-derived CBD ingredient. You know, the congressman understood that particular rub with FDA. How did you get connected to him? And how, how did you become part of the team? So he, so the congressman is the chair of the House Agriculture Committee. Okay. And in, in my conversations, this was late 2019 okay. and having various meetings on the Hill, looking for someone that would be willing to take leadership and introduce a piece of legislation to resolve that rub with FDA right now. Okay. And um, there was, there was 
a lot of misunderstanding or confusion and unnecessarily, but there was. And again, you're dealing with congressional members. They have a thousand different issues. And this is Mm -hmm. a priority for me and for you and a lot of people in our space, but they're, they're inundated with issues. However, when we met with chair Peterson and, um, and he got it. He worked on the 2014, the 2018 Farm Bill. He's very connected with hemp producers back in the in the state of Minnesota. Okay. And so, we, were you um, connected to the same people? Uh, well, I suppose you know my family's back there, but did we do? Um, I would n- no. I, mm-hmm. I mean, not in that. Um, so we we had commonality in different topics and different people that we knew, but we didn't know the same hemp farmer or the same challenge that was being Got by a particular hemp farmer. Yeah. Sure. And, and what what was what is this this FDA confusion? Tell me. I want to. Everybody wants to know about it. What is the confusion? The uh, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So the. Uh, Dealing with the hemp-derived cannabidiol ingredient, Mm -hmm. which has been in the marketplace, at least in the supplement and the food space, 2014, 2015, those CPG products started coming on the market. That's right, they did. Yes. And around the same time, FDA issued sort of this soft policy statement that, well, you know, there's this GW product out there and they have published some studies around another cannabidiol ingredient and you know essentially we're not we're not sure which was first to market was it you know were that were these products in the market or were these studies published first and so we need to see some evidence and from the industry perspective stakeholders are often reluctant to show what they have in their evidence files unless they're actually taken to task and that is just what um for, I, that's just a good business practice. It's mm-hmm. on some level, it's your IP, and you don't want to expose yourself to to liability as well. That's and right. so it just sort of sat there. The products continued to go into the market, and FDA just sort of dug their heels a little bit firmer on that particular position. So where we are today in 2020, FDA still has that position that all cannabidiol is an illegal ingredient because they believe that the studies that GW published were were first were first in the public domain, and so um, GW Pharmaceuticals. That's oh, I'm sorry, yes, GW yes. Pharmaceuticals. And interestingly, this is an internal policy statement. This is not a rule. It's not a final a final rule. It's not a guidance document. It is merely an internal policy position. So basically, it's just a note between colleagues, internal. Yes. Yeah. So t- that's frustrating. So take 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 me to take me. Okay, so that's that's where we are. I mean, that's 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 how they're viewing this. Uh, it just feels. Is it where's the gridlock coming from with FDA? What, what, a couple of different things on okay. from FDA's perspective. The uh, for example, that dietary supplement category has been growing. Uh, at a very high trajectory for the last several years. And the regulatory agency within FDA has struggled to some degree to keep pace with the growth in that industry. And so now you have an an entire new category coming in the the supplement space with a um, tremendous value and tremendous growth. And so to some extent, it's a bandwidth issue within FDA. And then I think the other part is... 
And this is for the broader botanical industry, a longstanding challenge is an understanding of plant material with, within that agency. Um, so to, to, to say that the, the isolate, the cannabidiol that's in the GW or that was published in those studies is the same article that is being used in a lot of these uh, CPG products, they are not the same. Even from a chemical composition, they are not the same. And yet that distinction has not been made within the, within the agency. And, and what's preventing that distinction to be clarified? Oh, goodness. Um, I think for a while it was the appetite within the agency to address it head on. And then it got to the point where the marketplace was inundated with so many products that FDA was, was overwhelmed. Even sure. if they did correct their position, they didn't have the resources or it, so, you know, so it came, the message came across, they didn't have the resources to adequately regulate the industry. Is you you're dealing with this? Is do you view the FDA a political entity? No, but there are influences. There there absolutely are influences, and there have been a longstanding there has been a longstanding um, perceived bias towards towards pharma and protecting mm-hmm. that particular pathway. I think what we are now seeing, certainly what's happening on the state level in the cannabis space and even hemp-derived CBD, where states have taken it upon themselves to enact their own programs to allow these products in their market because FDA has failed to act, that there's ample market space for every product category. So there's almost a leveling of that playing field for all of these categories. That's, um, well, that's good. You know, it just, it seems like uh, there's a huge step that can be achieved, right, with with some alignment. And what's, so what's the verdict here? When, when, is, when is the change going to happen? How do you see this? Take us through your looking glass and, and, and give us a vision of, of what's ahead here. When it comes to CBD, I do, and... And I usually don't do this, but you know what, Vern? I'm just going to, I'm going to be a little bold today. Okay. (laughs) Do that. I like that. We like that. Our audience loves that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, I do think we will have resolution if in in the near future around this particular ingredient. FDA has already publicly conceded that there needs to be a pathway to market for this ingredient. Okay. We also have some pretty heated elections coming up with um, both on the Senate side uh, and, of course, a presidential election mm-hmm. coming up. But that is adding pressure to mem- for uh, putting pressure on members to, uh, to take some action. And then you overlay all of that with our economy. We need some Kickstarters. We need some boosters. And what we've Great. seen through the last growth cycle in 2019, there was overproduction, not so much because hemp farmers don't know what they're doing because that's far from the truth. It's that their end markets have been compromised because of this internal position that FDA has taken. And I, and, and now leaders on the Hill champions on the Hill for the egg community. And um, they get that, they understand that. And so I think we're going to see some, um, we will see some resolution. Yeah. You know, it's important, you know, based on, on just my involvement on a daily basis with this adult consumable uh, entity, I, I really see uh, firsthand that 
states, some states and some local governments are, are reluctant until they get more clarity around this issue. Uh, they're reluctant and they're really holding up progress. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily blame folks who are not, who don't have some clarity on, on something that is important as something that is being uh, introduced into someone's body. I get, I get the seriousness of that. And I'm a, I'm a fan of, of let's do it the right way. But what I'm, um, what I'm, I'm trying to get to with you and you're, you're doing a great job of helping me understand and helping our audience understand what's, what's the gridlock and what is the vision of the future. And um, <clears throat> we're going to take a break. Tammy and and come back and and engage that and some other things that I know that you're passionate about and that you're involved with now. Uh, so uh, I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, which is fueled by Produce Global People Solutions. My guest today is Tammy Wall, and Tammy is a Washington D.C.-based attorney and strategic poli- uh, policy advisor. And uh, she's been very, uh, very clear about some of the challenges that we face. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that and some of the very positive things that she's involved with back in D.C. uh, that is going to help a lot of people. So on the return. Thank you. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. The plant profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Vern Davis. Plant Profits is our show. I'm your host. We're here with Tammy Wall, a Washington, D.C.-based attorney and strategic uh, 
policy advisor, and uh, she's from Minnesota, but she, she did some real quality time down in Texas, my home state, and I love that. Um, she, we're just talking about uh, some of the FDA and uh, congressional battles uh, in regards to uh, CBD and hemp, et cetera. And, um, uh, Tammy, we want to, uh, I know there's a couple other things here we need to, we need to, to mention. And, and, uh, what, what are some of the other things you'd like to say about that? I know we went pretty deep into that. Yeah. Thank you, Vern. And, and because of your background, you understand the CPG space and those different categories and the value that they have within our broader economic health, the multi-billion dollar industries. And, and I think we are, we being that CPG industry are in a critical position to really support those U.S. hemp producers, mm-hmm. not only for the long haul, but certainly to play a role in our nation's economic recovery in light of the pandemic. So That's if great. there is one thing, I encourage that. How can we all help? Well, in a, reaching out to, if you are producing mm-hmm. any of these types of products, to, to locally source and to reach out to your congressional member and let her or him know that you are ready to support U.S. hemp producers and open these pathways. Give them some end markets and, and you will buy their product. Thank you very much for that. And, and, and I think that's great advice and we should all do that. And uh, Tammy, I want to switch gears now and, and really talk about something I know you're really passionate about, social equity. And you've gotten yourself involved in that, and I'm involved in that also. So I'm, I'm really interested in hearing about, uh, from a social equity uh, place, you have a platform called Access Plus Innovation Project that you're utilizing to transport and move this forward. And I think it's a very important topic. Why, why don't you give uh, our audience your perspective of, of where we are with social equity when it when it pertains to uh, cannabis, et cetera. Well, thank you, Vern. Yes, the Access and Innovation Project is—it's a federal effort, and and it's a our advisory advisory board is filled with um, happens to be all female CEOs and founders, and the, the essence is moving forward. It's not about we want a seat at the table. It's we are at the table and leading that conversation. And we want to make sure that everyone has that same access. And so it's creating on the federal level, mm-hmm. because I think on the state level, they are experimenting with different social equity models, but on for federal oversight to make sure that that comprehensive federal oversight, that regulatory engine includes components that will allow everyone to have access to this industry. Small, large operations, all walks of life, and a very diverse stakeholder population. That's great. Now, interesting. So you, the, the founders, the board is all female leaders in the industry. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, how did they come to connect with you? Um, well, I'm sure you can attest to this, that mm-hmm. after, uh, when paths continue to cross you, and you find your like-minded people. And right. so over the years of being in the industry, um, the paths continued to cross and the, the women on there, there are some true powerhouses that are advocates for their communities and doing tremendous good within their communities, serving both high quality 
products for consumers in that over 21 category and developing amazing uh, medical products and serving vulnerable populations. That We have an incredible woman on there, Sue Taylor, with a facility, with a dispensary in Berkeley that is serving the senior community. Senior citizens. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. She yeah. is. And, and, if you, and if she's ever been in your orb, it's... Um, I feed off her energy. They're just she's just a, a remarkable woman. No, I th- I think that's great. So uh, we're going to dive a little bit more into the project, but I, you know I'm I'm so aligned with you on this because you know at Protus uh, we are at Protus Global. Uh, we're we're in this cannabis space and and uh, we see the opportunities and 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 uh, we're actually. Uh, putting together uh, that's going to happen very soon a social equity roundtable discussion uh, and that's something that you and I should talk about uh, you know maybe getting you involved in it I think you could bring a perspective that would represent these these uh, uh, female leaders that are organizing you know and and participating and executing on access to innovation projects so let's do that um i think that's good we need to we need to do that what what are some of the things you guys have done uh that you could talk about here um in our well one of the things in our in meetings on the hill for example it's there have been multiple asks on the hill over the last several years from um, sort of a fragmented approach on and very immediate, like research and veterans access, all very important topics. But in our conversations on the Hill, it's for the long game in the industry. It's to refocus and to define what an end game should look like. What does that state federal interplay look like? How do we strategically enter the global market? And how do we do that so that U.S. grown cannabis and um that stakeholders in the U.S. can be positioned to continue to be a leader, even on a, on a global scale. That's great. Thank you. Is there a final message you'd like to leave with us? Well, yes, actually okay. there is, Vern. And I, and I thank you so much for this time. And, in, and I think that's top notch that you're putting together your social equity roundtable in mm-hmm. large part because from what I know of you and your colleagues mm-hmm. and listening to your other um, guests, that it's it you are you are the real deal and that's quite refreshing and so your social equity roundtable it will be impactful because you're you're genuine and authentic about it so thank you well thank you thank you and thank you all we've uh, spent time today with Tammy Wall a Washington DC based attorney and strategic policy advisor and as you can see she's working on the most important and forefront issues that we face in the space. And I really want to thank you and stay with us uh, when we end here. I want to spend a little more time with you, Tammy. I really appreciate you being here and thank you all for joining us. You can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to CannabisRadio.com. CannabisRadio.com is an amazing partner. I love those folks. Or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Spotify and iHeartRadio and all major podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fix on, go there. You'll find us, Plant Profits. Vern Davis is your host. Follow Protus Global on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media uh, hangouts. You can find us. We're building companies. We're changing lives at ProtusGlobal.com. That's ProtusGlobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. Until next time, cheers. 
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.